Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps, the podcast where we dissect and correct the advertisements that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. I'm Al, and this is my co-host, Courtney. This is me, and I don't know if you can tell, but I got, I've been through something. Okay. Number one. Fully vax, baby! <laughs> Yay! I got the I got the double mix and match. Oh! I got the dolly juice. It hurt my body. Oh! I was profoundly changed, though. Mm. I was also profoundly changed by Fast Nine <laughs> in theaters. Wah, 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 wah. Baby! <laughs> you enjoyed the car? The cars? I. It was okay. My review. Spoiler free. Very furious. Oh! So hey. Maybe too furious. <laughs> Gotta rein it in a little. There was there was a fight scene where I'm just like, dumb, my boy. It's too furious. Turn it down a little. Just a <laughs> little bit. Um, it was okay fast. It was not it okay. Was not. So it was like a medium speed. It was a medium speed, but I did now I've done the traditional watch a fast movie, then have to watch all of them. Yeah. So we are, we're on Tokyo Drift now. Nice. Then we'll go back to seven. Anyway. Just dancing around. <sighs> I'm profoundly changed. The the Fast and Furious um, compendium is your giant piano on the floor from Big. Yeah. And you're Tom Hanks. <laughs> yes. He's just dancing around on there. That's what they played, right? A reference everyone can enjoy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've had I've had a hell of a break. Yeah. But now we're back. We're back. To them, it didn't seem like a break. No, it didn't. We're in our basement. We're in the basement. Where this all... We where, started. This is where we started podcasting. Actually, it is. But underneath the table. In a little fort. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're above the table. Hey. Now we're above the table. We're too old to get underneath the oh, table. Oh, I couldn't possibly. I was going to suggest, like, we're a little echoey. I was going to suggest we put a blanket overheads. No. Come on. No, it's the... It, we just finished a r- massive heat wave. Oh, yeah. They probably heard about that. I, or experienced it. We're in the news. They're like, Canada's hot? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> That's not what pop culture told me. Uh, no. It was very bad. Yeah, we yeah. hit 42C, which is 115. Yeah. That doesn't seem real. It was uh, um, a lot. It was a lot. And we, again, we're never going to the surface. We're going to stay in... <laughs> <laughs> we're staying down here. We live here now. But we're, we, we're, we're down here. We're down in the basement because it is still very hot. But Alice got a treat for me? I've got a little... Well, it's more of a treat for me. You did say there was a rant involved. It does involve a rant. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what comes to mind when I mention modernist architecture? <sighs> Fucking Frank Lloyd Wright shit. Falling water? Ugh. Well... I do that all the time. <laughs> constantly, constantly have falling water coming out of me. I went to Chicago once, and they got a real big boner for that guy, huh? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I mean, he's built. I guess. Oh, he built a he built one cool, a few cool houses. I guess. Big deal. Fine, it's fine. It's no bean. Yeah, Chicago's where the big bean is. They got right? the big bean. They got the big bean. Look, we don't want to talk about a niche. He's also no. We're not interested in speaking on the big bean. No, well, <laughs> uh, but why? Why you got a bean? Why you gotta be hyped up about a house? I don't know. Anyway, houses. We live in them. Do we? Or do we? They live inside of us. So falling water <laughs> is one example. Yes. Or the Guggenheim. Or yeah. the Sydney Opera House. <sighs> 
Despite being well on its way out the door, and may I say, good riddance, <laughs> the remaining influence of modernist architecture is all around us. Oh. One of the original influencers of modern architecture well. was a Swiss-French architect, designer, painter, an urban planner, and writer who was born on October 6th, 1887. Exactly 100 years and one day before I was born. Thank you. That's the reference I need. This is the only way I can contextualize the passage of time. <laughs> um, are we chomping on 99% Invisible's bit right now? No, no, no. Okay. No. I mean, they have spoke about some of the things that are in here, are but they? this is firmly within my, my wherewithal. We're not Roman Marsing it. Listen, they do a podcast about architecture. Yeah. I'm allowed to talk about architecture for one episode of our podcast about advertising. Who's named Roman Mars? That's a... Whoa. That's a weird name. That's a, a good name. It's a power name. It's honestly a hot name. <laughs> and I don't actually know what Roman Mars looks like. No. But the name is hot. He's got a podcast. I assume he's just got a podcast body. Yeah, like us. Yeah, like us. <laughs> I got a bad case of podcast body. <laughs> oh, it hurts so bad. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so this guy, that one of the original influencers of modernist architecture. Yeah. Do you ever look up an old white guy on Wikipedia and just immediately know that he sucks so, so bad? <laughs> so much. It's what they call a punchable face. Well, it's not just the face. Oh, okay. But do you ever hate a dead man with the passion of 1,000 sons? There's so many. This is how I feel about Le Corbusier. Ooh. Oh, that was a good one. Thank you. Here's the hot scoop on this old racist. Okay. <laughs> You know he's an absolute shit stain because his Wikipedia page reads, Le Corbusier remains a controversial figure. Oh, no. When Wikipedia thinks you're controversial, <laughs> it means you're a shit show. In the section titled Controversies, it opens with, There is debate over the apparently variable or contradictory nature of Le Corbusier's political views. And then goes on to detail how he wrote anti-Semitic op-eds, palled oh. around with Mussolini, and basically offered to suck dick in order to get the contract from the Vichy government to redesign Marseille after the Jewish population was forcefully removed. Oh, you never want a Vichy contract. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. It sounds super contradictory to me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. How they, are they saying, but he did some good, too? Is that their stance? I think that's always the stance from these type of people. Wikipe the Wikipedia people? The Wikipedia editors who were like, you can't just you can't just say that he did bad stuff. <laughs> but he did. You can't say they were gay. You it was in the past. <laughs> they didn't have gay back then. <laughs> it's new. It started in, the 1980, in 1986, the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> Not a moment before. Oh, God. They were getting it ready for me. Um, so the, the controversy section also says, Le Corbusier has been accused of anti-Semitism. And then goes on to literally quote him, saying powerfully anti-Semitic shit. Hey, Wikipedia, clean your fucking house, dude. You could just say someone was a racist if they were a racist. You don't have to hedge your bets just in case another racist somewhere gets mad at you. If racists are mad at you, you're doing your job, actually. Yeah, just... Don't just say what you mean. And I know it's edited by a bunch of different people and they're all fighting in the talk page. But we got to have some rules about this shit. It's ridiculous. We're here to talk you down off the edge of Wikipedia. <laughs> We're here to help. Well, I don't know. I've never donated. Let's just say that. Yeah. For a website that we cite almost every episode. I I you try never? not to. Okay, well, that's very good for you, but I, I don't have a lot of... <laughs> the last time I had to use it, I did use it for my last episode to look up what colors the original M&Ms were. Because I'm like, 
You need Wikipedia. I for need that. Wikipedia. You gotta I, have Wikipedia for that. I could have just bought a bag, I guess. <laughs> well, don't shame me for sometimes using Wikipedia. I would never. I'm Thank a, you. I, you know what? I tell my students Wikipedia is a good place to start. Good. Right? Yeah. And then you find all the other links, all their references and in the bottom. They have- They've done the work for you. <laughs> they do all the linking. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Hey, your win is Wikipedia's loss or something. I don't I know. I guess so. So you might be surprised, or maybe not, to find that Le Corbusier's influence has a heavy hand in America. I would not be surprised. (laughs) He was often cited as an influence by the white architects hired to build urban public housing throughout the 50s and 60s, Mm. based on his principle that the house is a machine for living in. How does that make you feel? House? Wait, is it like a Mac? No, oh. that's uh, that's Neo Le Corbusier, <laughs> and, and he hasn't been born yet. Oh boy, what if the the house? Can you say it again? The house is a machine for living in. It's a machine. Is it? We got we got doors. We have doors. We got a oven. Sometimes. So, sometimes we have oven and a bed. Sometimes we have hot plate. Sometimes we have long play. Sometimes we have DoorDash. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I agree with that. Yeah, I think that was a too bold a claim. I think I think you're right. I agree with that. So housing developments like Chicago's Cabrini Green and Pruitt Igo in St. Louis all bear his influence. The idea that a standardization of form and a rejection of architectural ornamentation would provide an organizational solution that would raise the quality of life of the working classes. Mm. He was incorrect. So it's just like build them all the same. Yeah. And it's like not I was gonna say brutalist, but like it's just utilitarian. Yeah. Is what we just we, working it's with. all function, no form. Oh, like the male body. <laughs> I understand now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In nineteen ninety eight, the architectural historian Witold Rybsinski wrote of Le Corbusier's urban planning principle in Time magazine. He called it the V Radius, the Ooh. Radiant City. Despite- you, took, you took grade five French, I can tell. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh la la. <laughs> Despite the poetic title, his urban vision was authoritarian, inflexible, and simplistic. <sighs> Wherever it was tried, in Chandigarh by Le Corbusier himself, or in Brasilia by his followers, it failed. Standardization proved inhuman and disorienting. Yes. The open spaces were inhospitable. The bureaucratically imposed plan, socially destructive. In the U.S., the Radiant City took the form of vast urban renewal schemes and regimented public housing projects that damned the urban fabric beyond repair. Did they extend to, like, suburbia, where you have all the houses the same? I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily part of what he was on to. Like, he was very on to, like, what do these, like, communal apartment buildings look like? But not, like, without... With no communal spaces for community to form, but just like, here's where everybody lives and they go yes, to work yes, and they come yes. home. It's very, I, I can hear the uh, Foucault discourse bell ringing in my head. <laughs> We're like, we all Ding. live, we all live in this like prison, <laughs> this like of all see, with an all seeing eye. Yeah. 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 Mm. <laughs> the panopticon is real. No. I mean, <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> I had to purge my books the other day, and I I have Crime and Punishment, the Foucault book, in my fucking hand. I'm like, do I? But here's my my favorite Foucault story. Yeah, is that when I went to France over a decade ago, we went to the Museum of Science and Technology. Yeah, and they got his big pendulum there. Oh yeah, 
You did do that, huh? My best friend that I was traveling oh, with yeah. tried to stop it. <laughs> tried to reach out and touch it. And the guard came over and was like, no, no, monsieur, you cannot do that. <laughs> this is full goat. <laughs> He's been swinging ever since he died. <laughs> Maybe the ghost, maybe the person who stops Foucault's pendulum finally will release Foucault from limbo. Do you ever think about that? I never, I literally <laughs> never think about that. Really? Yeah. I but think, I'm going to start. I think Foucault is trapped somewhere on Earth. <laughs> and he's probably in one of his many pendulums. Um, Just curled up in a little ball in this there. This could be like a national, was it national, national treasure? treasure? <gasps> you have to free the ghost of Foucault from one of his pendulums, but you don't know which one. Yeah, you have to stop them all. <laughs> <laughs> but if you stop them all, the world stops spinning, because that's the only thing that keep, is keeping you have to together. You have to stop them all at the same time, yeah. and then you have a countdown until you start them again to make sure that... Wow. Sun- this is a film that we are going to write, <laughs> first of all. All my Foucault classes have come finally into use. Lord have mercy. Oh, Foucault yourself. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> okay, so Whittle Ribsinski continued. Um, today, these mega projects, the uh, the urban housing that he's talking mm-hmm. about, are being dismantled as sewer blocks give way to rows of houses fronting streets and sidewalks. Downtowns have discovered the combining, not separating different activities is the key to success. Mm -hmm. So is the presence of lively residential neighborhoods, old as well as new. Cities have learned that preserving history makes more sense than starting from zero. It has been an expensive lesson and not one that Le Corbusier intended, but it too is part of his legacy. Hmm. And when these building blocks were built in the 50s and 60s, the populations that would eventually live in them did live in the inner city. And they eventually, like, they would just bulldoze those neighborhoods and have the people move into the apartment blocks. Okay. okay. Basically, like, wiping out any sense of community or culture that they had created. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, literally whitewashing everything. Yeah. Ah, I lo- got it. Yeah. But this legacy is an international one. Because a stern functionalist vision of public housing can be seen across the globe, from American housing projects to Japanese Yanchi, the Hungarian panel house, Germany's platen blouse, (laughs) British council flats, and of course, one of the greatest visual symbols of the Soviet state, the Khrushchevka. Oh no. So those are all those um, brutalist housing blocks that the Soviet Union is so famous for that uh, were all uh, created by a housing initiative led by Nikita Khrushchev. Of course. Yeah. Oh, we're here now. Oh, we're here. We're oh, hi, Khrushchev. Hello. Hi, we're at Khrushchev. You know, I was, ta- we, you and I were talking about, like, we were joking about Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. And I said, rest in piss. And, like, and you said, your ad creep is close. It's not, I said it wasn't, it's not dissimilar. Are we are we Khrushcheving it? Is this where we're going? We're briefly pausing at Khrushchev. Oh, we're wow. taking a... A little pit stop on Khrushchev. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then we're will. going forward. For he should also rest in piss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did like what he did to Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, we all did. I do agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we can see modernist architecture all over in the ghosts of failed public housing projects. Mm. But did you know there's another major touchstone of modernist architecture peppered all across this beautiful planet? No. If you had to guess, what do you think it is? Okay, can I go with my gut? Um, there is one piece of architecture that is probably everywhere. And when you look at it, you know what it is. Am I going the right direction? Is it the Pizza Hut? It's the Hut, baby! <laughs> <laughs> that 
I blasted you backwards. I I have a rolly chair and it just, <laughs> just went. Wow. Because you know a Pizza Hut's just a Pizza Hut. A pizza? It's always the same. It's always a Why? Pizza Hut. Well, <gasps> maybe I tell you. Please tell me. <laughs> okay. So in 1958, brothers Dan and Frank Carney borrowed $600 from their mom to start a business to cater to students at Wichita State. Could you imagine? $600! Start a business with $600? Damn! You know, Pizza Hut Pizza does taste like it just take, took $600 to fill up. <laughs> I know, but it tastes like childhood. It does. That Dude, corn, I can't. Whatever they put on the bottom, cornmeal. Yeah. Mm. The weird spice blend on the breadsticks. Oh, yeah. It was always, like, exciting to get to go to Pizza Hut, to the buffet, so. Hi. And the red, they always had the red lighting in there, the red yeah. lamps. And it's kind of like, ooh la la. Ooh. <laughs> the red what light is, district. Yeah, what is this? A brothel? <laughs> and then you sit and play Pac-Man on the little <laughs> yeah. Pac-Man. Oh, wow. Ugh. So these brothers bought a small brick building with a sign that only had room for eight letters. They used the yeah, first five on the name so. of their product. I'm, I'm counting. Which gave them three remaining letters to work with in yeah. order to name their store. Pizza. Pizza. Pizza hot, indicating that the pizza was hot. hot. I was going to say pizza hole, H-O-L, hole. <laughs> no, they called it Pizza Hut. Aww. And it did look a little bit like a hut. It did. Was the original look like original Pizza Hut pizza? No, it just looked like a small, like, a little brick house. Okay. Um, so it wasn't It wasn't the, no, the famous. No, that was, that was planned. That was planned. By 1969, nice. <laughs> Pizza Hut was looking to expand internationally and needed a way to visually brand their locations. So they hired their college friend and fraternity brother, Wichita architect Richard D. Burke. Nice. Nepotism. <laughs> hey, the best kind. If it brought us the hut, hey. then I'm proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Burke originally requested $32,000 for the project, <laughs> which the brothers couldn't afford. No. So instead, they offered to pay him $100 for every Pizza Hut location. No. <laughs> This is making bank. Wow. Are you kidding me? Not anymore. No, just for the red roofs. Yeah, they're all like MLA locations. <laughs> yeah. <now. laughs> the current trend in restaurant locations at the time was a very literal garish interpretation of the product. Mm. Chock full of nuts commissioned restaurants having exaggerated features which nodded at its beginnings as a nut cellar. What? Have you heard of chock full of nuts? Chock full of Because I sure haven't. Nuts. And I was like, what? Tell me more. <laughs> Apparently it's a nut Sales. It's a nut salesman. Yeah. Okay. What does it look like? A big nut? I think it looks like like those nut stands. What's a nut stand? So you do a handstand, but you got one nut you out. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> Al, you simply cannot. Like a nut seller. Like, you know. What's a nut seller? Have you, you've seen those. Um... You mean like the ones that are outside the Pacific Center? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd tell you about them, but you wouldn't trust me anyway, I don't. so it doesn't matter. Cho- was it called chalk full of chalk nuts? Chalk full of nuts. I put choke full of nuts and that's Hey, me. baby. So I'm going to just put my phone down. We'll look at Listen, that. Listen, we've all been there. <laughs> Arby's designed restaurants that doubled as immobile oh. chuck wagons. Oh. Because they sell that chuck. They do sell them chucks. But Burke was determined to be different. Okay. According to Burke's business partner, BJ Kingdon, Burke wanted his design to emulate a hut. Mm. However, he also noted that there was no real stylistic agenda in mind. At base was common sense, practical thinking. Kingdon agreed that their job as architects was simple. Build the project for whatever it was supposed to do within whatever practical constraints there were. Okay. 
So this is extremely indicative of modernist architectural thought set out by my current nemesis, Le Corbusier. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just, it's practical. I guess it is. It's all function. But that roof, though. That roof, though. So uh, Le Corbusier felt that the ornamentation of the past Art Nouveau and Arts and Crafts movements were irrelevant to the machine age. Could you imagine an Art Nouveau pizza hut? That'd be so freaking (laughs) radical. I would... Lose it. Iron and lilacs oh, Al- everywhere. <laughs> Alphonse Mucha's Pizza Hut. When critiquing the 1925 exposition of decorative arts in Paris, Le Corbusier wrote, The religion of beautiful materials is in its final death agony. The almost hysterical onrush in recent years towards this quasi-orgy of decor is only the last spasm of a death already predictable. Wow, this guy... How... This guy. <laughs> I hate this man. He's so bad. He sucks so bad. But it's like, okay, you know, um, they're really popular on the Instagrams. It's when, like, a person does, like, a sleek fucking redo of their house with, like, marble oh, and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's got nothing in it. It's Yeah, and it's like, th- that's exactly what this guy was like. He's like, hey, decoration sucks and people don't derive pleasure from it. Or if they do, that doesn't matter to me. It it gives me so much pleasure to put stuff in my in it, my fucking. It makes home. me very happy. To I put love stuff my, in my stuff. Home. You got a lot. You got a lot of great stuff. I got a whole. I got a whole room full of stuff. Yeah, I'm sitting on a pair oh. of moose antlers right you now. You sure are. I love it. <laughs> it sounds uncomfortable. Well, it's just a treat for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So in contrast to the futuristic for ornament's sake of the earlier fast food restaurants, the guiding force behind Pizza Hut design was based in no-nonsense pragmatism. But that roof, though. Well, they wanted to look like a hut. So that was the element. What is a hut? Hey, hey, what's a hut? What is a hut? That's what what, what would a football man say before he passed the ball. Hut, hut, hut. So it's just like, we're going to do a square. Because, like, they're all squares. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then put that roof, that nasty roof, that that does not, that looks like ornamental. That big nasty roof is... Looks like a shark's fin slicing through the city. Ooh, okay. (laughs) And it's red. It is red, yeah. Yeah. The classic ones were all red. I didn't realize the Pizza Hut logo is just the roof. Yeah. Whoa. It's just the roof. They really put all their eggs in that particular basket. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, please join me in 1991 for a moment. Oh, boy. I am five years old. You're five. I'm four. Yeah. We've got our sweet modernist hut reaching far across the globe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And another bastion of modernist architecture and its sullen child brutalism had just thrown in the towel. Huh? Among General Secretary Mikhail Gorbachev's policies of glasnost or openness and perestroika or restructuring, the Soviet Union glasnosted up and perestroikaed itself into Russia on December 26th, the day after Gorbachev announced his resignation, declared his office extinct, and handed over power to their first Russian president, Boris Yeltsin. Oh, boy, Boris. Boris! Okay, I don't know. Do you remember the fall of the Soviet Union? Not very no. well. I We were in a hotel, and my parents liked to listen to the the, the AM radio yeah. while they fall asleep. I remember being wide awake, because I can't sleep in a fucking hotel with my I, parents. I've, well, I've stayed in a hotel with you, and you couldn't sleep. In fact, I can't sleep. Uh, that's just a thing that I... <laughs> it's just a thing about you. But I remember listening about, like, oh, this country is, like, no more. This I'm country like, just gave up. Kind of freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't know countries could do that. <laughs> 
And I didn't know about communism and shit. Yeah. But, like, I was like, oh, this Boris guy, he's got a big job. <laughs> he's got a lot to do. It's a whole country. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so Boris Boris has the job. But yeah. let's say you're Gorbachev. <laughs> let's, let's say... You're Gorbachev. <laughs> Let's say you're Mikhail Gorbachev. Oh, boy. You just quit your job yeah. as leader of a nation that no longer quit. exists. Yes. And you're watching as American corporations flood into your homeland. Oh, boy. What do you do? You eat at Pizza Hut? In 1997. What? Former Soviet Union leader Mikhail Gorbachev what? starred in a Pizza Hut what? commercial with his granddaughter, <laughs> Anastasia Vruginskaya. Oh! <laughs> You have this? Is this the ad? Yeah. No. Yeah. This is on YouTube? Yeah. Right now? Yeah. <laughs> you look like you're about to pee. I think I'm having a seizure. Oh, no. Oh, my. Y'all, I'm on heart medication. I'm so sorry. I'm on beta blockers, and my heart can only pump a certain amount. <laughs> then maybe we should not it do the podcast. It is hitting the glass ceiling, my friends. Gorbachev was in a Pizza Hut commercial. He was at Gorby in the Hut. Gorby in the Hut. Do <laughs> what? Okay, you gotta, you gotta, gotta tell me more. I gotta, you gotta, I gotta give me more. What the fuck? How did you? How did I possibly? How did you possibly? Paul Musgrave of Foreign Policy magazine wrote. The ad obviously exploited the shock value of having a former world leader appear and played on the fact that Gorbachev was far more popular outside Russia than inside it. He was? Oh, yeah. They hated him. Uh, well, no. I know I know he was not popular inside of Russia. I didn't know he was popular outside well, he was of Russia. popular outside of Russia in the way that any, like, sort of world leader type celebrity I is. I guess. Okay, okay. Okay. I mean, they weren't like, we love this guy. They were just like, he's a big deal. He's a, pay, eat this pizza. We'll pay you. <laughs> So the the commercial was filmed on a multi-million dollar budget with cinematic quality, including mounting cameras on the Kremlin and shutting down Red Square to get establishing shots of the square. What? With dialogue entirely in Russian with English subtitles to show Pizza Hut as a global brand compared to its American rivals. I think communism is dead. I think it might be dead for for reals. I think in 1997 it died, actually. (laughs) It really died uh, when Gorbachev had a slice of that greasy pizza. In Red Square, isn't that where Lenin is? Yeah, that's his, that's his place where he hangs out. Oh, no. And that's when he burst out of his grave. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he don't like that pizza. I don't think he likes it. Hey, did oh, you God. um did you know that Gorbachev just celebrated his 90th birthday? He's still alive? He had a Zoom party. No. Who came? And that makes me feel an emotion that I don't have a name for. Who you think came to his party? <laughs> Putin said something very nice about him. <laughs> Putin. I mean, no, I mean, obviously. Did Putin come to the Zoom party, though? I don't think so. I no, think it was more of a family affair. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he had a lot <laughs> Khrushchev's of... ghost was not there. Ah! <laughs> fucking they screen called with fucking the wax figure of Lenin. <laughs> and he's like, I don't like All that right, ad please, you did. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. I'm sad. Please, I'm already dead. <laughs> oh. This is a lot. I know, I'm sorry. I'm, it, oh. You were almost to the ad. God. I don't. I don't really have any more curveballs. No, okay, so just no. hold on, and okay, we'll I'm smoothly holding. ride to the finish. Ooh, just take me there. Much like the rest of urban modernist architecture, today the infamous Pizza Hut design is seen as a sign of urban blight. But while Pizza Hut shifts over to a new design, its old locations trade hands and become the home of new businesses. Though there's no disguising what they used to be. 
photographer Ho Hai Tran and creative director Chloe Cahill of the book Pizza Hunt have logged 8,700 miles photographing almost 100 former Pizza Hut locations documenting their new life. Cahill says, not even award-winning architecture has the ability to elicit the kind of nostalgic response that these huts do. Yeah. Truly, the Pizza Hut is the architectural hermit crab of this century. (laughs) (laughs) Funny? It is. It is. Because it's like, you always know, you can paint it. There's places that like paint the hut. But it's a pizza You know it's a hut, man. It's a hut all the way down. Once a hut, always a hut. Wow. It's a hut inside and outside. Like me. Mm Mm-hmm. Though Pizza Hut does embody the same invented concept of decay in the public consciousness that mid-century housing projects do. Affluent white critics often blame this on, it, on the inhabitants, but it's more likely that the root of the problem was the original principle. Because maybe a house could be called a machine for living in, but people don't just live in houses. We live in communities, and those can't be standardized. Oh, you took me on a creep. I did. Hey, can Roman fucking Mars do that? I think they did have a thing on Pizza Hut. Yeah, but he didn't talk about fucking Gorbachev. No, no. I want to see this ad so bad. Well, it's your lucky day. Oh, take me there, baby. (laughs) We'll return after these messages. Sometimes nothing brings people together like a nice hot pizza from Pizza Hut. Welcome back to the show. I need to take a minute. There's truly... I feel like there's truly no way to really describe that ad, but we will do our best. But I thought the chills. It's just this, this uh, like almost uncanny valley, yes, thing of yes. like corporate, like this weird height of corporatism and capitalism, which we've reached now in 2021, and looking back at 1997 Whoa. is just bizarre because yeah. it's not any different. No. I mean, we would not bat an eye if any of our fucking world leaders did this. But the fact that it was Gorbachev and in 97 and in a pizza hut. Yeah, where they're like very blatantly actually talking about the political situation in Russia. Yeah, so Gorbachev and his, what is his granddaughter? Yeah, his granddaughter. Um, They go to a pizza hut. Near the Kremlin, I guess. <laughs> Which was not a real Pizza Hut. They um, used another shop oh, okay. uh, to be the, the exterior of the Pizza Hut. It's interesting because the Russian shops don't have the hut. It's, it looked like it was like part of a, like a two-story building. Yeah. But they still have the logo with the hut. Because they don't have as much, um, you know, in their cities that I think they don't necessarily have as much available space to pop a new hut down. No. You don't know, do you know the, across from the Great Pyramids, there's a pizza hut? That rules. Well, does it? <laughs> <laughs> like, no. you can have pizza 
and just see the pyramids. It doesn't rule, but so all the photographs you see, those if those there's photographers, a pizza, there's a pizza right, right there. <laughs> there's a camel on a pizza. Hut. There's um, a camel on a pizza. Yeah, in the Pizza Hut. Oh, because there's you know tourists ride the camels around. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then you yeah, go yeah. get your pizza. I gotcha. Okay. This felt, when you call it Uncanny Valley, it was. Because you have really high production values. You have Gorbachev. You have the uh, granddaughter going into the Pizza Hut. And then you have a family at the table. They have a young guy and an older man. Yeah. And the older man has probably been through fucking the Soviet... Union, yeah. Fucking, I don't know, like, the five-year plan and shit. And was like, hey, Gorbachev really fucked us. And the young man... It's like, no, Gorbachev was great. He brought us freedom, democracy, like, economic freedom. And it's that. That old man, that was weird. I'm sure, saw at least one of his friends disappeared to Siberia. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. At least. At least. And then you have an older woman. And she's like, hey, but you know what? Fucking pizza. He gave us Pizza Hut. And... I don't know how I feel about having the whole Soviet Union starting with, like, fucking Lenin going to Stalin, going to Khrushchev. Like, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that history, you know, and the, you know, many purges. Yes. And saying, you know, it's cool. We have Pizza Hut. We got, we got Pizza Hut. And also what's weird about it is that it does use... Uh, like, in the filming, in the music, in the way that it's staged outside of the Pizza Hut, if mm-hmm. not inside, it does utilize that Soviet pageantry yeah, of, like, true. nationalism. Mm. <sighs> I, and and, and the, the whole kind of weird concept of having an American company yeah. come in and, like, celebrating that, celebrating, oh, yeah, Gorbachev brought, brought us... Amer- this American company. You got your Pizza Hut, you got your Starbucks, you got your Mickey D's. Like, it's... Ooh. It evokes so many strange feelings and emotions. You know, it's... it's It was during the peak globalism yeah. eras. And I think that's what gives me the heebie-jeebies about it. Because it's definitely... Oof. It's, uh. not, it's not really... I don't think it's really Pizza Hut's place to sort of have that conversation. No. <laughs> If I may say. Yeah, they're like, oh, <laughs> people aren't talking about this anymore. It's 97, baby. No one's talking about this. <laughs> it's been six years. Come on. But the pizza was kind of good, though. Yeah, I mean, the pizza. It looked good. It looked good. Yeah. The pizza did look good. The pizza did look good. But then, you know, I'm sure they had some heated up tampons in there getting it to seem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I think everyone, so uh, just a reminder, we do put the ad in our sources. We do put the ad in our Twitter. You, I don't know how many people, listeners, actually stop to watch the video. You have to. You absolutely must watch this ad. It is. It's a deep fake. This should have. It's, it's a deep fake. This should have like 10 BuzzFeed articles about yeah. it. Yeah. How do people not talk? How are people not talking about this? <laughs> Okay. I don't hear any journalists talking. Okay, Twitter. <laughs> oh, wow. You brought me something. I brought you a doggy bag. I'm going to think about this all night, actually. And I'm not going to be able to process my feelings about it until much later. Yeah. Yeah, much like my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is there anything else we should talk about the ad? Yeah. How would you plus it up for 2021? Ow. <laughs> 
Well, you already did me a favor because you told me Gorbachev is still alive. Yeah. And he had his 90th birthday last year. Yeah, so we're bringing him back, I guess. Oh, we're bringing Gorby back, baby. <laughs> what else is he doing? By the way, he looked great in that act. Yeah. He looked the fucking thing on his head was shiny as ever, you know. <laughs> that weird thing. The Port Weinstein? Yeah, the port- <laughs> the Weinstein. Yeah. yeah. He likes to party. What, how, okay, Gorby's back, baby. And, boy. You know what? We can't do it in Russia. We don't want to. No, no, no. we don't. We simply don't want to do it in Russia. I don't think we want to do it in Russia. I think, or I think we're bringing Gorbachev back. Okay. Mm, got it. Mm, okay. Locking it in. Okay, okay. Slotting it in. <laughs> Gorbachev and his now, what, 30-year-old granddaughter? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're in mid-America. Oh. They're in middle America. 2021, right? Things have happened. Things have shut down. A lot of things have freaking happened. Things have happened. (laughs) But they want some pizza. They go to, you got your Midwestern, you know, city, and you see, like, things are closing, and you go to the hut. It's the hut. It's the hut, You can tell it's the hut. Yeah. But the roof is blue. Oh. Uh, And they see in the sign that it's now a Greek restaurant. (laughs) As many pizza huts turned into. And Gorbachev turns to his daughter, and he's like, yet. <laughs> this is not. So Gorbachev and his daughter. Granddaughter. Go, granddaughter. Go on a cross-country road trip to free all of the old pizza huts. How will they do that? They take them back for the people. <laughs> okay. And we make them into urban housing. Oh, so it's the Pizza Hut Housing Association, P-H-H-A, P-H-A, P-H-A, and uh, that we're going to rescue. So the Pizza Hut is like, look, we know we're all over your city. We know you can tell it's a pizza hut, but now it's a home. It's a pizza home. It's a pizza home. And it does smell like pizza inside. I cannot, I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> it does smell like pizza. It you smells cannot. like pizza. And so Gorbachev, that's their new thing. No, we're not serving huts. We're serving homes. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was touching almost. (laughs) Why is Gorbachev involved? Do not know. Well, because he was there. Because he's there. Because he does have a little bit of like, wow, I really fucked up a country. Maybe I can make this one a little bit better. And then at the end, they go to an actual pizza hut and nobody knows who he is. (laughs) And it's in a mall. And someone's like, "Uh, Mr. Yeltsin, can I get your autograph? No! <laughs> oh, and he takes his shoe off and he starts banging on the table. Wait, was that Khrushchev? That was Khrushchev. Damn it. <laughs> Which was... Oh, yeah, Boris Yeltsin was the guy with the eyebrows, right? Oof, Ooh, this boy. guy. Oof. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's my ad. Okay. We're going to do the Pizza Hut Home Associate. The Pizza Home. Pizza Home. We're going to do the Pizza Home. Yeah, that's my ad. I love it. Good. A that's what we need. is a machine for fucking in. <laughs> That's what I do in my home. <laughs> Incorrect. It is way, way, way too hot. Okay. Um, speaking of fucking, do you want a local ad? I would love a local ad. I don't know if it's got fucking in it, but... Um, well, you just promised. Okay, well... Okay, well, whatever happens, they fuck afterwards. Okay. Um, oh, no. That could go really well, bad. <laughs> no, it's fine. Don't worry. I've seen it. Okay, this is from 
our friend, our creep, CJ. CJ messaged us a bunch of national ads that, you know, we might look at later, but also a local ad from their hometown of San Diego. Cool. And I just want to say, you know, CJ likes hearing from fellow queers with digestive issues. Hell yeah. I will say, we will not stop talking about that. (laughs) That is another one of our classic promises to you. (laughs) We'll talk about fucking, we'll talk about pooping all day. (laughs) And we will talk about being queer. Anyway, so, this is Mossy Nissan San Diego. Oh. You ready? Yeah. Let's do it. There's a hard driving beat called the rhythm of the street And it tells you the city's alive Well, you move to that sound and you're not slowing down You just get in your car and you drive My Sydney Nissan, my Sydney Nissan My moves you CJ. 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 Oh my god. Are all the hot people in the 80s in San Diego? Were they all roller skate dancing? Wow! And the singer of that song was putting some stank on it. Yeah. Mussy News Loan. Again, friends, this local ad will be in our sources. You need to listen. You must watch it. It was, so it looks like uh, 1988. Mm-hmm. Felt like 1988. Sure did. Whoa. And there was a moment where everyone's skating, and there's a cool dude with a rad attitude, and he puts his skate on the bumper of a Nissan. He sure does. You went, oh. <laughs> did you have feelings? It was um, It was actually the just what the singer's voice was doing oh, yeah. at that moment that made me... Because he was just, it was raw and ready. It was raw and ready and hot and too hot for me to handle. And those people do fuck afterwards. They, I told you. <laughs> there was a, one of those little Nissans. There was a Nissan truck, which my father had. Oh. A Nissan truck. Just very a, a fuckable car. Oh, baby. <laughs> you know, had those fold-down back seats that hurt your butt real bad. Oh, okay. So you could fuck in the you car. You could definitely fuck in that Not car. that you wanted to fuck the car. Because well, when you say a fuckable car, um, that's kind of what <laughs> that implies. And fuck- hey, I don't know how big the tailpipe is. Maybe how you could. You fu- oh, is that how you fuck a car? I think there are so many. Just like the realities of being a queer person, there are so many ways to <laughs> find and derive pleasure from each other. Yeah. Um, that is not just about D in TP or yeah. dick in tailpipe, <laughs> um, as we call it in sexual education. <laughs> There's so many nooks and crannies. <laughs> There's so you many. You can get into in this Nissan. Honestly, and that thing, does it have a gear shift? Maybe. Wow. Wow. It's automatic, <laughs> baby. Thank you for your sexy, sexy Nissan ad, CJ. We really appreciate it. We really do. Uh, if you have a local ad that's just as sexy, if not sexier, uh, please send it to adcreeps at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at adcreeps. Yeah, and you can find us on Instagram at adcreeps, mm-hmm. and we would love to hear from you. And hey, if you enjoyed this somewhat heavy episode about modernist architecture <laughs> and the Soviet Union, wow. No, no, here's the thing. <laughs> this ad 
is if I fucking see this ad across a BuzzFeed or like a Mashable, I'm coming for whoever because this is oh, our absolutely. This is our thing. You have to give us five stars if this blew your mind because it blew my fucking mind. <laughs> um, go to go to Apple iTunes and do that for us. Thank you. Mwah. <laughs> Mwah. Mwah. And uh, and that is. That's, That's it. our show. Yeah, until next time, we are signing, signing off. But first, a word from my sponsor.